Forget this players only section. Listen, I am a player at heart still, okay? I might not be on the field. You guys might not classify me as a player, but I walk in there, I see players only. That doesn't do anything for me. I'm walking right up there, I'm taking whatever I want. Well, one thing I have noticed stepping into this new role, coaches won't really talk to you anymore. Would you say that it's been harder than you expected and is it giving you newfound respect for what Gary and I do? So it is harder and I guess different than what I expected. I still have zero respect for what you do. <laughs> <laughs>
at you or was that at us? What what do you Listen, think? I think I took two RX bars last time I was here. Okay? <laughs> and first of all, I saw the sign, it was already up. I don't know. I looked about at that. it and said, I still am taking it. <laughs> Close enough. So no, they didn't put those signs up in response to my taking a few. They were already there, and I ignored them. Because I always <laughs> see them down there, and I, you know, you kind of check it out, and you got to see who's watching. Because well, there's you know a good, the, you know, there's a camera in there, right? I know. You know, security's watching. I looked right into the camera, and I waved to the camera. <laughs> there's a good selection down there. When I've had a bad day, sometimes I go down there, and I'm like, you know what? I'm having the cashew milk today. <laughs> I'm spoiling myself. I don't care. Forget this players only section. Listen, I. I am a player at heart still, okay? I might not be on the field. You guys might not classify me as a player, but I walk in there, I see players only. That doesn't do anything for me. I'm walking right up there, I'm taking whatever I want. <laughs> but you definitely have gotten a little more like like common man since uh, not playing football because when I'm walking off the plane the other night from London, I yeah. grabbed the freebie bag that Virgin Atlantic had for us. It was like a toiletry bag, right? And I'm like, score, baby! Nice free bag. I turn around, Dennis is right behind me with three of them himself. I had one, okay? It was a cool bag. It was. I mean, whether you're a football player or not, that's a sweet bag to have. It so was I took nice. one. I was showing off to my wife last night. Seriously, I probably had about a 15-minute conversation about how nice these bags were. I missed the boat on this. What, are, what do they have in there? They're, well, it's not what they have in them. Oh, it's, it's just like the, the bag, bag itself, itself is nice. Okay. It's yeah. like leather. It's nice. nice. But I am a commoner. I was the very last row of the entire... I was behind you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. That's a whole new low for me. <laughs> oh, how the mighty have fallen. The, what's the what's the worst like transition you know for you like being a commoner like what's the best example of of the fall from grace is it the Holiday Inn that you stayed at <laughs> I think that was rock bottom for me. <laughs> so you have the player hotel where the coaches and everybody stays this was in London of course uh-huh. and then about a five minute walk you know down the road you had the Holiday Inn where the rest of us stayed <laughs> and I was very much a part of the rest of us group. <laughs> And so, you know, I got to eat snack and everything and the meals over at the nice hotel. And then the players went up to their rooms or whatever, and I took my nice little walk outside by myself all the way back to my own hotel. <laughs> well, the funny thing is some of the staff were still in the nice hotel. It was like just a small, it was like a dozen or so of us that were the overflow, like the bottom of the bottom. Yep. <laughs> I see Dennis boarding the bus with me. I'm like, oh, wow. That was not a nice holiday. Yeah, welcome to how the other half lives. Yeah, yeah. So Dennis, just you're in the radio booth for the last game of this season against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we want to talk a little bit about that. Just how much have you enjoyed this whole broadcasting gig? I've liked it, and it's been something that's obviously very new for me. Something I had no experience with going into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been really fun, and it's been fun because I have been able to stay a part of the organization, be around, you know, my former teammates still be able to go to dinner with Joe and stuff like that, right. you know? And, and it's, it's been a ton of fun. Um, it's been difficult adjusting to doing color commentary for the radio broadcast and something that certainly takes time to get more and more comfortable with. And, you know, I feel like I'm starting to get a little bit more comfortable and then this will be my last game and I won't do it for the rest <laughs> of the season. So just when you think you're starting to get a little bit better at it, you know, you're going to have to have to stop but it's been a ton of fun and strange watching games from that perspective but I've enjoyed it. How has it been you know one of the things that's so unique about you is that you're so close to what this team like you're 
just removed from it, you were on the field, what, six months ago. So you're still very much in tune with what's happening. Has it been challenging at all to, you know, to, to call from an objective standpoint and kind of talk about, like, you know what's going on behind the scenes with this team, but when you're a player, you don't necessarily put all of that out there. Now you're in the media to an extent. Like, how have you balanced all of that? Yeah, it's difficult. It has been difficult. And one thing I have noticed stepping into this new role is coaches won't really talk to you anymore. Have <laughs> you really noticed <laughs> Maybe, that? Yeah, yeah. Well, Greg Roman, who was my tight end coach for yeah. the last, you know, six right. months or whatever when I was, when he came over, um, he makes a joke. And he, he largely jokes, but I know there's seriousness in what yeah. he's saying. He's like, no, I don't talk to you. You're media. you got to get away from me. I can't tell you anything. And, you know, he's joking and having fun with it. But at the same time, that's a player and coach perspective of the media. Right. They understand the job that the media has to present all the information that they can gather and whatever way they can gather it. And so the more that they talk, they think they're talking to a friend right. or a former teammate or a player, I mean, it, it, it makes it difficult for them, so. Are, are the players the same way? Like, do you do you notice even Joe? Like, he's like, wait, you can't say that. Do you get like a lot of, that's off the record. We get that all the time. We get that all the time. Honestly, the players are a lot better with it. They forget, I think, that I'm in the media. <laughs> so Joe and, and all the guys will kind of tell me whatever. And right. and then I use it against them, obviously. Because, <laughs> you know, no, but, you know, they, they I'm still good friends with all those guys, so they don't really care. Would you say that it's been harder than you expected? Like, the media job has been harder than you expected, and is it given you newfound respect for what Garrett and I do? Most importantly. So it is harder and, I guess, different than what I expected. I still have zero respect for what you do. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that was going to be the I had answer. a feeling that was coming. <laughs> I had a feeling. I knew that was coming. <laughs> I don't think what you two specifically do has any difficulties whatsoever. <laughs> I think what I've been asked to do, and in my role, there are challenges and things to learn, um, but anybody could step in and do what you guys do. Nice, that's good to know, I agree. Is it something that you think you're, you're honestly going to continue? Like, once this ends, you know, you're saying it's kind of a shame. Are, are you gonna look for the next broadcasting gig, whether it be here or, or somewhere else? Um, I think I'll be very open to it. Mm -hmm. I, I've enjoyed this process, and that was part of um, the thinking going into this year. Um, kind of get my feet wet in, in this part and this side of the football game. Um, see if I like it. See if I'm good at it. See if you know, there's any kind of a future there. And, and then kind of go from there. And that's, that's where I'll be at after this next week. Um, I'll be excited to listen to Todd Heap, who will take over after me, and then um, Justin Forsett and Jarrett Johnson. Mm -hmm. So it'll be fun to, to allow those guys to get some experience in this as well. And, and whatever happens, happens. I'll certainly be open to uh, moving forward with, with something like this. So as you talk about what's next, you know, you've never officially announced that you're retired, so will you boost the ratings for the lounge right now and just go ahead and make that declaration? <laughs> um, I'm not going to officially declare that. I am in the middle of rehab. I've been rehabbing, you know, for the last three weeks now and uh, feeling pretty good, so... I'm not saying I'm coming back. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Oh, boy, do we have to ask the comeback question now? No. I, uh, I don't think that I will be on the football field again, but I am not retired. I'm leaving that open. Oh, okay. I like it. I like it. So, so did you, can you set it, it straight, though? You got hip replacement surgery, right? I did. Right. So can you talk a little bit about that? Was when, it, when, the sur when the third injury happened, were you immediately like, all right, well, my playing days are done and I'm getting hip replacement surgery? Yeah, it, it, that's exactly how it went. Yeah. You know, I knew there were risks going into last year taking the field again. And, you know, we were, we were well informed with, 
what those risks were, um, the consequences of those risks, and, yeah. and you know the possibility of a third injury. And unfortunately, that happened. But I feel great now. I, I'm happy with how everything turned out. And you know, I, I got a brand new hip, so it, it feels really good. And honestly, it, it feels like it was never injured, which is mm. awesome. Yeah. And so right now, I'm, I'm in the process of rehabbing, just trying to get some of my leg strength back so I can still outrun Garrett. But <laughs> it doesn't take much. It, it doesn't you take know, much. I, I think I'm right under maybe four nine. You might have gotten him in the wheelchair. You might have still gotten him. Yeah, I feel confident that I would have. When you look back on it, people ask me this. Are, do you have any regrets about coming back? Are you glad that you did it? And knowing everything you know now, you still would have come back and played. Knowing everything I know now, I would have 100% come back and played. And why is that? And I don't regret a thing that any decision that I made because at the time, I felt great. There was no reason for me not to come back and play. I, I knew that what the risks were, and there's always risks of injuries when you play the game of football. My risks were a little bit different and, and a little bit more specific when you talk about in terms of my hip, but I was able to play a full season last year. I was able to prove a lot to myself and, and I guess to people that necessarily didn't think that I could come back and play, and that was important for me. Um, but at the same time, I had a great time doing it, and hip replacement was in my future anyways. Mm -hmm. um, and so you know, that timetable sped up a little bit, <laughs> but, right. but you know, I, I, I don't regret going out and playing and, and everything that happened. Well, that was always what I said to people. It was like, you know, people who said, oh, he shouldn't come back. Like, he shouldn't think about his future. Like, it wasn't a Zachary Orr situation. We weren't talking life and death, right. you know? I mean, if a third injury happened, you got hip replacement surgery, and your life continued to be great as it is right now. I mean... Well, I'm in the back of the plane now. <laughs> I wouldn't say great. Still pretty good. But yeah, and, and that's largely the outlook I had on it as well. Yeah. That was a road that I was going to go down no matter what happened, whether I played or not. And so, you know, I wanted to exhaust every avenue of playing and doing what I love, you know, instead of sitting at home feeling really, really good, knowing I could play, right. but decided not to. And so, I, again, I don't regret a thing, and I feel great now. You know, hip replacements have come a really long way. Um, over the years, and so this should last me a really long time. Did you, um, it seems like the recovery from this was much quicker than it was, like I remember when you did your rehab from, when you hadn't had a hip replacement, it felt like you were in a wheelchair like three months later, you know, or, or not moving well at all. Now, it, I felt like a couple weeks later, you were on crutches and walking, is it totally different, the recovery? The recovery is completely different, but let me set the record straight. I was never wheelchair bound with any of my injuries. <laughs> I did show up to the Halloween party two years ago <laughs> in a wheelchair, but it was part of the costume, and it I didn't want to stand. You fooled us. Yeah, I didn't want to stand yeah, right? on crutches the whole time uh -huh. throughout the night. So sitting in a wheelchair was a lot better. Having okay. my wife push me around. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, the recovery in the first couple injuries was a lot longer because it was repairing the damaged bone and tissue and everything around the joint, and so I was 12 weeks non-weight bearing on crutches post-surgery for both injuries. After a replacement, it happens a lot faster, and in a normal hip replacement, people are up back to work a week later, walking, doing whatever they need to do. Mine, the timetable was a little bit longer because of my previous injuries, but again, within six weeks, I was walking normally and, and felt wow. really good. Wow, so what's more exhausting? Showing up every day, going to practice, doing all that stuff, 
or now being at home and having three young kids <laughs> and having to chase them around. Oh, uh, every day I kind of wish I was still out of practice <laughs> when I'm changing a poopy diaper or whatever it may be. But no, I mean, shoot, kids are awesome. I mean, it, we our kids are at such a fun age right now and we're really enjoying um, parenthood, but it is exhausting. And we have three kids, our oldest is four, we have two twin girls who just turned two, and the twins are giving us a run for our money. <laughs> they are entering their terrible twos, and all that they do when we're at home is walk over to something, open a drawer, pull everything out, throw it on the ground, close it, walk to the next drawer, <laughs> open that up. And there's two of them doing the same thing at the same time, so it's almost impossible to keep up, but it's a lot of fun. So your, your wife must be happy that now she has two sets of parents here. She has two parents. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one can take one, and the other one can take the other. Yeah. Finally, my kids have some guidance in their lives. They were largely just parented by my wife this whole time, and now, uh, you know, I get to play the father role a little bit more. But no, she, we just, shoot, we just got back from London, so I was gone for the last three days or so, and you know, I walk in the door. Well, she was, everybody was asleep, but the next morning, she's like, "Okay, I'm ready for you to take over. I'm going on vacation now." <laughs> kids are uh, a handful. How long did it take you to kind of come to grips with like the new life of that and doing the media thing? Like. Was it pretty quick, or, or was it something that took some time to say, like, this is the new normal? I think it's still evolving as yeah. what is normal for me right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, my whole life, really, I've just been playing football and working towards football. Now it's like, all right, I go to the gym, and do I even have to work out? What am I working out for? <laughs> I say that know. every single time. I'm Basically, like, why am I doing this? You're now in our territory. Like, I work out just to not be a fat slob. That is like my, that's the threshold That's your for only me. motivation. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I'm trying to find motivation right now. Honestly, it's hard. I really wasn't able to work out for about a month and a half post-surgery um, and wasn't able to start rehab until really three weeks ago, and I've, I've started all that. So... I, I do have some motivation in my workouts with rehab right now, and, and things are kind of specifically tailored to what I need to strengthen and do. Um, but once rehab's done, I'm going to really struggle to figure out, you know, what am I working out for? Because your whole life, I'm working out for football. You know, I know it's very clear that is my job. I have to go and I have to work out and, you know, work with trainers and all kinds of stuff to, to be in the best shape that I can be. Now, I mean, I'm, I've feel like I'm going to look like you guys in a few months. That's not good. <laughs> and it's terrifying. It's a, down, it's a downward spiral in a hurry, let me tell you. <laughs> you can get in some basketball leagues, do a little pickup basketball. We play here. Yeah. Garrett actually has a decent hook shot. I don't see I don't, don't want to go against that. him. He's six foot six. That. You don't see us. you playing basketball against us or you play basketball, period? Uh, well, I don't see myself playing basketball against you two. <laughs> Um, but I don't see you guys being any good at basketball. <laughs> well, well Garrett, you get him outside of five foot, he has no jump. I'm a, I'm a scrappy. I grab the boards and put it right back up. But it, going against you, you're six foot five or whatever. That I lose he my. And advantage. Chad could have some good battles. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think I'm taller than Chad. I was standing next to Chad. Chad in Chad's program in high school or in college, he was a basketball player. He was mm -hmm. six listed at six nine in his program. In our program, I'm listed at 6'4". We line up next to each other, I'm taller than Chad. <laughs> so tell me what's wrong there. Yeah, Winthrop is going ahead and pad the stats right there a little exactly. bit. Exactly. I imagine it's actually going to be another level of transition. Like, you've already gone through a transition from player to, to media. And now once this stops and you're not around the team all the time, it's going to be a whole another level of transition. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, this has made it a little bit more seamless. Yeah. Still being around the team, traveling, being at every game. Right. Traveling with the team, kind of what I've normally done. Um, after this week against the Steelers, I won't be doing that. But 
um, we'll, we'll be here in Baltimore still, and I'm sure I'll probably still have to sit down with you guys on occasion. And, yeah. And do yeah. Some, uh, Fourth time guest. Yeah. <laughs> Fourth time <laughs> guest. <laughs> Never well, been thir- done. Third co-host of the lounge right here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so with that in mind, let's talk a little football while we still can. Yeah, you're, you're a media guy now. All right. Yeah, exactly. So right. I guess my first question is, how does the team rebound from a game like that in London? You know, is that... Does that make it easier to rebound because you have all the motivation from getting your butt kicked? Or does it kind of, is it tough to not make it linger where you're like, God, man, are we not as good as we thought we were? You know, how do you rebound from that? Well, I think it will be easy to rebound from it because you have the Steelers coming this week. Right. And a win against the Steelers means nobody's going to care what happened two weeks ago against the Jaguars. Right. And so that, from a mental perspective, will make it easier. They understand the, the job they have to do this week. They understand... You know they're still atop this division, and the Steelers lost to the Browns last, or to the the Bears. Bears last week, and so everything is still right out in front of them. And that's the message I'm sure Coach Harbaugh is explaining to everybody this week. We are still in first place. Every goal, every achievement that we set out to accomplish before this year started is still in front of us. Right. Yeah, we made it look ugly last week, and it was not pretty for four quarters. And we don't want ever to have to go back to London again. <laughs> but, you know, a win this week will completely change everything about this season. And so, you know, this team is, has been so good over the first two weeks. You can't let one game really define the entire season. And it won't. It's a long season. And so I expect them to have a ton of motivation this week in practice, mm-hmm. using that loss and understanding what is in front of them against the Steelers and have a, a good sense of urgency about, you know, getting a win this week. You know, one thing that the team has dealt with more than I can even remember, and they've had a lot of injuries in past years, but there's just so many injuries. What is it, 17 guys are going to go on IR yeah. this week? So Yonda, there's Alex Lewis, there's Tavon Young. You go all the way back to you. There's Zachary Orr. There's so many key players that would have been playing significant roles on this team had everyone been healthy. Is there a tipping point? Like, what can they still compete after all those injuries? There's got to be a point where it gets to too many. Yeah, they can still certainly compete. Um, you talk about all the talent that we still have on the defense. Brandon Williams will come back. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll sure up that defensive front, and you know we've got a lot of playmakers all the all over the field. I think the one injury that's still going to be difficult to overcome as the season progresses is the Marshall Yonda injury. Mm-hmm. And you saw evidence of that last week. We were unable to block the front four of the Jaguars. And you know, we talked about it in, in a different segment with Jeremy Macklin's comments. Yeah. You know, felt like there was they were taking away the middle of the field. Well, they were able to do that because they were getting pressure with just four players and dropping everyone else, dropping seven. And it makes it really difficult. And so um, I, I think what will have to be figured out and answered is how can this line consistently play well through the rest of the season without Marshall? And it was a question mark going into the season, and it's still a big-time question mark now. And so we'll see how they respond. Yeah, I guess that's my question. It's more than on the offensive side. I mean, the offensive losses yeah. along the offensive line in particular, which was already a group that people had a lot of question marks about, particularly yeah. with depth. It's like, yeah, right. I guess... Do you, do, you, do you think that the offense can still play or will be able to play? at a, a, I'm not saying they're going to be the best offense in the league. I don't think any of us think that. But do you think that they can play at a, at a reasonably high level? I do think they can. 
but it, it all hinges on the ability of this front five, yeah. our O-line, to be able to block. Yeah. And that's in the run game, and that's largely in the pass game. We have playmakers all over the field. I think you look at our receiving core, and they have largely underachieved statistically yeah. thus far, but guys that can get open, that can stretch the field, that can do a lot of different things. Ben Watson as a tight end has really emerged as a, as a guy that Joe can get the ball to and trust in critical situations. Um, Alex Collins is now a guy that I think is a very good running back and somebody that's going to be dynamic out of that backfield. We know what we have in Joe Flacco, and if you can just simply give him time, he's going to be very good. So really the question mark is what is this offensive line unit going to do throughout the remainder of the season, and right. can they create holes for the running game and protect Joe in the passing game? And that's really what it all hinges on. Do you attribute that offensive line to – why the receivers haven't really gotten done much of all. I mean, I look at it and I'm like, Mike Wallace, it's not like he forgot how to play football. But he's been pretty much a non-factor. Rashad, I think, has one catch so far this season. Well, they, season. Have, they have 11 catches among them, among the three. The right. three. And, and, and Macklin has been the most productive so far. He's got his pair of touchdowns, but he's not like he's lit the world on fire. Like, why are those three guys not able to do much of, all, of anything right now? Well, yeah, I mean, if you're a receiver, statistically, you are not having a great year. Right. <laughs> you know? and, and I don't think any of them are very happy about what you know, their stats say right now. Mm-hmm. I know that if I was a receiver and through three games I only had two or three catches, I wouldn't be too happy about it either, <laughs> right. right? But you have to really break down why that is. So you, you go back to week one against Cincinnati. That was, a, that was a game where you got five takeaways you had set up with short fields on a number of occasions and got a 20 to nothing lead that you just protected through the whole second half. You ran the ball 40-something times. You only threw it 17. Right. And so you understand why you didn't get a lot of catches or there wasn't a lot of production out of those guys in that game. Then you go to week two against Cleveland Browns. And, and that was their best game throwing the football. Joe was very efficient. They did a nice job of running play-action passes, getting out of the pocket. Ben Watson had a big day, um, and they spread the ball around well. But again, you go into that second half, you have a a lead, you're running the ball a lot, and there aren't as many passing statistics. Now, last game is kind of the anomaly in the whole season. You talk about going down early, and you think, well, we're down 20 to nothing, then we're down 23 to nothing, now we're down 30 to nothing. You're going to have to just spread it out, air the ball out, and there's going to be some inflated stats for those receivers. Well, Joe had no time throughout the entire <laughs> entirety of that game right. to be comfortable ever in the pocket to be able to stand and deliver the football. And so um, it was one of those games where now in the second half we're pulling starters because it's so lopsided, mm-hmm. and, and that's the problem. And so you look at the ineffective O-line play in that game as to why they weren't able to throw the football. And so each different game tells a different story about why. But, yeah, I mean, you're sitting there with, with only one catch if you're Brashad Perryman and saying, what in the world is going on? So, so the key really is the run game's got to be working. You've got to have a lead because it might not be pretty the rest of the way if the Ravens get down and they're forced to have to air it out. I mean, the if, offense, if you're not doing those things, it's going to be tough. The offense, I think we probably all agree, isn't built to – to be a team that has to throw the ball 45 times and not you know, without Yonda and a deep passing game like right. that doesn't seem to be the recipe at all for this team right yeah and, and you saw it in the first two games the formula for this team is right defense win the turnover defense. battle yeah you know set up field position for your offense and allow the offense to run the ball effectively and play action pass off of that and, and bootleg and do those kind of things getting Joe out in space 
I mean, that's what you. Ha that's got to be the recipe moving forward. Yeah. I don't think you can ask this offensive line to protect in certain areas where Joe's just dropping back, has to sit in the pocket for a while, let routes develop, and then get rid of the football. I think you have to run the ball effectively, and you have to be able to play action and get him on the move. You know, as a complement to that, but. You know, it'll be interesting to see what they do moving forward. What do you think of the season that Benjamin Watson's having? You know, at your position, guys, 36 years old, coming off an Achilles, and he leads the team and catches yards and plays over 20 yards. Just, yeah. what do you think of his performance? I mean, I think Ben's been tremendous this year. I mean, it's not hard to be the leading receiver on this team right now. <laughs> Let's You're just like, say I that. could be the leading receiver right now. <laughs> Nothing, not taking anything away from Ben, but um, no, he's been tremendous. I mean, he he. Missed all of last year with an Achilles injury. 36 years old. Right. You don't know how your body's going to respond at that age. I right. mean, I always joke with him. He's an old man at this point, you know. <laughs> um, but I've been really impressed with what he's been able to do. And, and he's been a consistent player over his career. And I think that's the one thing that you can compliment him with is when the ball's thrown to him, he's going to catch it. He's going to be in the right spot. He's going to do what he's told. He's going to be able to develop trust within, you know, that quarterback-receiver relationship where Joe's going to be able to come to him in critical situations where he's not sure what he has in other mashups and be able to get him the ball. And so um, I think he's going to continue to be a big weapon for this team moving forward. All right, so both the Ravens and the Steelers are sitting there this week thinking about how they lost those games on Sunday. The Steelers lose to the Bears. Ravens obviously lost the game against Jacksonville. What do you expect Sunday? I mean, which, how do you think this game's going to play out? Who do you think has the edge? Well... I think um, you throw out what you saw last week out of both teams. I don't think that's relevant as far as who these teams are. The Steelers are better than losing to the Browns. Or to, I keep to saying the Browns, to right. the Bears. One of those B teams, yeah. Yeah, one of those B teams. Um, they're better than what we saw last week. We're better than what we showed two days ago. And so it's going to be one of those classic rivalry games. I think it's going to come down to the end. I think... We are very comfortable in this matchup, though, which I think is important to note because for whatever reason, Joe is always comfortable against this defense. If we're able to give him even a little bit of time, he knows where the ball needs to go against certain looks. And it is advantageous for a quarterback to know what a defense is going to give you. And we've gone against the Steelers so many different times. And, and really, they don't have a very complicated defensive scheme. Hmm. You know, it's a 3-4 system. You know where guys are typically coming from um, in, in blitzes. And you, they largely play zone coverage in the back end. And so there are ways to take advantage of this team, and I think Joe knows how to do that. The question will be, can we give him time to be able to do that? And can we run the ball as a complement to that effectively? Those will always be the question marks throughout the year, but right. especially in this game. But for whatever reason, we've... We've had the edge on this team over the last you know, handful of years and, and played very well against them. So I expect it to be a close game. I'm hoping it'll be a close game because from a broadcaster's perspective, <laughs> yeah, right. it's a lot more fun and <laughs> you have a lot better content when the game is close all the way to the end. Every right. game I've done this year, it's been you know, run the clock out in the fourth quarter and we're just trying to come up with stuff to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Dennis, to wrap this up, the most important question and the most important news what do you think of the controversial pick of Ari as the new Bachelor this year? 35-year-old <laughs> race car driver from season eight, I believe. My research is correct. Yeah, he's, he's from Emily's season. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, what do you think? Of <laughs> I'm glad you brought this up because this is something I've been wanting to get off my chest for a long time. 
Um, I'm disappointed in the pick, Ooh. I think. Uh-huh. I was never an Ari fan dating back to his time on Emily's season. Um, Why not? Well, what, what didn't you like about him? You don't like race car drivers or something? No, I have nothing against race car drivers. <laughs> I have nothing against his profession or, or what he does for a living. Um, for whatever reason, I, I don't know. He just wasn't my favorite guy. You know, I think I feel like he was like way too aggressive when it came to mm. going after Emily. You know, and yeah. that, that's a turnoff for me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Who did you? Want? I Who sound you? I sound ridiculous breaking this down. <laughs> Who are you rooting for? In that season, or to be, or the, to new, be the Bachelor? Oh, well, be the Bachelor. Your boy. What's his name? Dan. Uh, he, the guy you were trying to get on. Oh, Dan Brown. Dan Brown. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Well, I he's, mean, is Garrett, he explain playing? to Mink how the Bachelor works. You gotta. You, you don't, don't just, just become the Bachelor. Or bachelor oh, jeez. You gotta be. You have to have been a contestant on the Bachelor. Oh, I really stepped in it now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was embarrassing. <laughs> I can't believe that. Well, Dennis, thank you very much. Appreciate it as always. And uh, we'll look forward to having you back in probably a week or two. <laughs> All right, guys. Fourth-time guest. <laughs> yes. right. Thanks, Dennis. Thank you. Awesome. Well, really good stuff from Dennis. Uh, not a fan of Ari, but a big fan of us. <laughs> a big fan of us. You know, <laughs> He acts like he doesn't like coming in here, but we know that he really enjoys it. Exactly. So uh, really good stuff. Thank you, as always, for listening. You can reach us at thelounge at ravens.nfl.net. Send us an email. Leave a comment, a review, a rating. Haven't gotten a lot of those recently. And never forget the deals you can get at Papa John's, all right? So you order the Ravens Flock Special all season long. You get a large specialty pizza and a large two-topping pizza with promo code RAVENSFLOCK at papajohns.com. And this one's even better. I love this deal. (laughs) The day after every Ravens win, you get 50% off regular menu price online orders with promo code RAVENS50 at papajohns.com. Now that Dennis Pitt is a peasant, like me and you, oh, how yeah. much discount pizza do you think he's getting? Well, he ain't de- paying full price for his it, pizza. It anymore. depends how many granola bars he steals from the cafeteria. You know, <laughs> <laughs> if that's gonna be good enough for dinner, then he might be okay. But if not, he's gonna be hitting up Papa John's for those Ravens slock specials. You know me, I try to only eat Ravens food during the season. I try to not have to go to the grocery store once. I think Dennis is in the same boat. We should ask him about that. I'm sure right now he's down there in the cafeteria scavenging for waters and <laughs> granola bars and whatever else they got out there for lunch. <laughs> well, thank you for listening, and we'll be back. You next week. <laughs>